We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March has arrived and we are only a couple of days away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest starting March 15th. And remember, a lot of sports are still going on. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. And as well... We have Untuck It. Ever wonder why traditional button downs are so long and baggy? That's because they were never meant to be worn that way, folks. Untuck It shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked. No matter what your shape, size, their shirts are the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic stallions of all ages. Don't just take our word for it. Try Untuck It for yourself. Visit UntuckIt.com and use Blue Wire for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. Nothing better than something free. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code Blue Wire for 20% off your first order. Ah, all right, guys. Emergency pod, got to talk about this coronavirus, this NBA shit is out of control. This episode has been pre-recorded, the one that you are about to listen to in a couple of minutes. Alan and I have started the series top 25 quarterbacks of the 2000s. The majority of the series is complete. We need to finish our top five, but all 
the episodes are available on the Patreon if you want to get them a week or two or three in advance. And your support is going to a great cause. But we'll get back to that in a little bit. Last night was my birthday. If you're listening to this on March 12th, my birthday was March 11th. I am a 29-year-old stallion. Hats off to everyone. And thank you all so much for wishing me a happy birthday. But my birthday got trumped. Not by the president. But by Rudy Gobert and the NBA. So for those of you that might not know what's going on, um, shame on you because it's not only an NBA or a story thing. It's a it's a real life crisis that we're in, and I am some of the people that I've been ignorant to the case. I've been kind of ignoring it and just you know saying that ah it's not gonna happen to me or it's not gonna happen to it's not gonna happen to the U.S. Right? It happened over in Milan and in Italy. What was going on there for a couple of weeks now has been crazy. And then you know there's been certain cases in the United States that have popped up with this coronavirus stuff. But I think shit hit the fan last night. And since shit hit the fan last night with a multi-billion-dollar organization like the NBA just coming out and saying, "Yeah, we're gonna suspend our season for the foreseeable future." This is an all-time Woj bomb like never before, and it came out. The video was pretty crazy. Um, Thunder were playing the Utah Jazz, and they're doing the pregame stuff, shaking hands and shit. Chris Paul actually went over to the Utah Jazz bench and was like, yo, what's good with, with Rudy? Rudy Gobert, the center for the Utah Jazz, uh, all-NBA all caliber player, and the word was that the bench for the Jazz was saying, yo, stay away from Rudy. Yo, shit is crazy, yada, yada. And then there's a video that I'm, I'm trying to find this video so I can retweet it so you guys know what I'm talking about. Use it as a, a, a reference. But the doctor for the Thunder comes running out to the court, talks to the referees, and then you see Chris Paul's in the picture too. And then they postpone the game. And then a couple of minutes later, the report comes out that Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus. And then just a couple of minutes later, the NBA comes out and says that they're suspending the season. And I think for a lot of people, a lot of people stateside, um, that's when it really started to hit home because it did hit home. It hit us where it hurts. And a lot of times I do think that we wait for shit to happen before we react to it, right? It wasn't too long ago, guys, that you were able to smoke on an airplane. Like, literally smoke cigarettes on an airplane. There was, like, uh, the back of the planes used to be, like, the smoking section and shit. But, but you could smell it in the front. And, you know, you're trapped in titanium and flying across the world and shit. You were able to smoke on an uh, aircraft. So, that wasn't too long ago. And then over time, shit started to happen. You realize that there is a lot of causes from secondhand smoke and smoking in general in confined areas like that. And then we pass all these rules and regulations, right? Unfortunately, we have to wait until something like 9-11 tragically struck this country and struck the world where we bumped up our security at airports. And yeah, it's going to take you longer to go through TSA, but you're going to be safer. 
than ever before. And it seems like with this coronavirus stuff and from talking to people in the city, I am a street vendor in the city until this shit really pops off and we could do this full time, that people are starting to get concerned once they hit the country. And then when you have something like this with the NBA come out, I think it was very alarming. So a report came out earlier today that Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz, their all-star, he popped for coronavirus. And many reports are coming out that Rudy Gobert has been careless in the locker room. And then you see shit like what he did, that video, which was a couple of days ago. He's touching all the microphones and whatnot, kind of trying to shine light or, or poke fun at the situation. Well, he got people sick, and then he also jeopardized and put the media in danger, too. And I understand what he was doing, man. I don't think he meant no malicious harm. I think he was trying to say, you know, sometimes we do blow things out of proportion. But, man, this is a real thing. It's a real thing. Uh, I'm recording this right now. It's it's 125 Eastern time on Thursday. And the Big East conference, conference basketball is, is going on in the NCAAs this week and this weekend. And... Pretty much every every conference is coming out, and they're canceling. Big East just now canceling. Um, the SEC came out, and they canceled. As of right now, at the time that I'm recording, the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12, and the AAC all have just canceled their conference tournaments within the last half hour, and then the Big East came out. And next week is the NCAA tournament. We've been setting up the bracket for the Patreon members and any fans that want to just hop in in that. That's going to be up in the air now. Um, in soccer news, yesterday I'm watching the Champions League and PSG played Borussia Dortmund in front of an empty facility. And also Juventus confirmed that their defender, Rugani, he tested positive for the coronavirus. So it doesn't look feasible to have the NCAA tournament beyond next week. It just doesn't. It just doesn't seem likely. Um, conference USA has announced the cancellation of the remaining of the 2020 conference tournament. So that's another conference, also. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be. There's gonna be more by the time you guys hear this. There might be more. So definitely. Definitely see what's up with that and definitely follow that. Um, NBA suspended. NHL going to make an announcement soon. Um, the sports books, the sports books are going to be suffering as well. How do you set lines on empty venues? Right? You have a home field advantage that get plays in, that plays into the betting lines. That's a, it's a massive factor into the betting lines. Now, how do you test that? Sure, the Lakers are playing the Nuggets, but they're playing them in L.A. and there's no one there but the staff. So how much of a home field advantage is that? How much of a home court advantage is that? It's uh, it's something that needs to be monitored moving forward. Definitely going to be... Um, definitely going to be interesting. What happens with WrestleMania in a couple of weeks? The mayor just came out and said that an announcement will be made in, in the coming weeks, though we don't think it's needed to make an announcement for something that's about 25 days away. It's like, well, you actually do because WrestleMania, for those that might not be wrestling fans and have never experienced a WrestleMania event, it's a global phenomenon because when 
I went to WrestleMania the two times that I went when it was over at MetLife Stadium in New York, in the New York, New Jersey area. I met people from Australia, England, India, Japan, Africa. People treat it like a vacation. It's the way Americans treat the Super Bowl. I tell my buddies all the time, yo, if you guys are listening, it's the same shit I tell my buddies all the time. You you should go to the host city that has the Super Bowl and just party and chill. You'll meet up mad people from all over the country. So the Vegas lines are going to be affected right now. It's just at the MGM, and they just uh, put out a tweet saying they're going to continue to monitor the situation and keep our guests' safety top of mind. Retail sports books and kiosks located at the MGM Resort properties are going to continue to accept bets. So... You'll be able to bet, but do you want to be going out and touching the kiosk and whatnot? I just, I don't know. Oh, report right now. MLB has told its teams that it's suspending operations immediately due to the coronavirus. This was from Ian Thomas. By Ian Thomas is his Twitter handle. You know, spring training is underway. So it's just crazy. I wanted to talk about it. I don't think I've ever, um, you know, stopping the NBA just... And it's tracks like what happens with shout out to my guy, Jack Manis. He kind of I think he was trying to make a joke, but it's it's true. Like what happens if you're a, a degenerate gambler and what happens with your bets that you put? What happens if you put a win total bet on a team and they needed four more wins for you to cash your bet? Like what happens? Do you cash if it went under? There's so many things. What happens if you have a ticket on uh, Giannis Adetokounmpo to win the MVP award? So it's just it's just something that's really, really crazy that's going on. Um, what I think happens with the NBA, and uh, I'll leave you guys with this, is I think they resume play in about a month, and I think they go right into the playoffs. I'm pulling up the standings right now. I think they're just going to go right into the playoffs. I don't think... Um, I don't think much will change, right? I'm looking at the standings right now. Maybe a couple of like, you know, the, the the Heat have a chance to get to the three seed. Toronto's probably not catching Milwaukee. Boston can maybe get to the two seed, but regardless, you're probably playing in the th- two three matchup anyway. Pacers and the Sixers are flip flopping back and forth. Seems like Orlando or the Nets are going to be the 7 and 8 seed. Washington's on the outside looking in. They got 24 wins. I don't think they'll have enough time to catch them. You look at out west, it just seems as if, you know, Memphis has a three-game lead over Portland, and then Dallas has a eight-game lead over Memphis at seven, and then you got three teams in Oklahoma City. Houston and Dallas have 40 wins and then you know it is it is a crap shoot but for the most part the, the playoff teams are in in both conferences it's just seeding that's up for grabs so what I think happens guys and we'll end with this one and then we'll get into the the second episode of the top 25 QBs is I think that they just come back they cancel the rest of the regular season and you just play the playoffs and you just go from there so, there you have it. Um, oh, shit. Breaking news right now. NHL 
suspends play because of spread of the coronavirus, but hopes to resume in future. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Madness. Madness. So hockey is done too. Bedtime. So, yeah, it's going to be crazy. Um, who knows what's going to happen with UFC Brazil this weekend. Kevin Lee and Charles Oliveira. So, there's a lot. There's a lot that's happening. So, let's see. Let's see. All right, guys. Uh, here is the episode of Alan and I, quarterbacks 20 through 16, which is also available on the YouTube channel. And be on the lookout Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. VM Road Trip Las Vegas edition will also be on the YouTube channel. Thank you all for tuning in and for listening. And I just like pop. the sound. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dias, at The Lamb Show. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find the show. My guy, A-double-L-E-N, what up? Yo, what's good? Back in the building. Uh, I apologize, I haven't showered since the gym. <laughs> so, um, luckily you guys can't see my pants in the video because they're all stained and all sweaty. Um, Working hard on a Sunday. Yeah, man. I don't I don't take days off from the gym, really. Like it's today, commitment. today my... My Sunday is an off day. I kind of just go to the gym. I'll watch like a Netflix comedy special and I'll walk on the treadmill mm -hmm. until it's over. So I get like anywhere from like an hour to hour and 10 minutes. We got last. No, what was the last one you watched? Uh, I just watched Whitney Cummings. Okay. Her never was one. a big fan of her, but. Um, yo, actually. Not bad. Pretty pretty funny, yo. Okay. Very she funny. She had that actually. NBC show that would just, I don't know. It was pretty crazy. I mean, uh, uh, her and Crystal Leah. Yeah. Think, yeah. I watched that one and I watched some of uh, Tom Segura's old stuff ah, just kind of recycled through it. But, uh, all right. Today, we are going through 21 to 16. Sorry, 20 to 16 best quarterbacks of the 2000s. Um, started getting a little interesting here. Uh, this is the one I'm most excited about. I have three of my favorite quarterbacks growing up in this batch. So, I'm super excited. There's maybe one dull one and then one that... Is very polarizing, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. This is one where I was like, put my nose down. I was like, man, these are some big names, and just especially when it comes from, you know, we're almost the same age, like growing up, watching some of these quarterbacks play in some brutal conditions. I will say, looking at my notes and looking at my list right now, again, it's very important to remember that Alan and I do not know who's going where. And what was it, two names we had? That Mar exact Mark Bolger at 25, Matt Hasselbeck at 23. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, yeah, there are some old heads on here. There are some old heads on here. But, all right, let's get going. I'll start off. Number 20 on my list. Alex Smith. Okay. Did he crack your list? No way. No way. Okay. I'm not a, into game managers. All right, that's fine. Yeah. But <clears throat> if you're looking at the resume, he had a very interesting career because his career didn't really take off until later on in his career like he didn't really become a guy that was viewed as n not an elite quarterback but a quarterback who was above average who was borderline top 15 ish until he got john harbaugh uh jim harbaugh yeah. i should say uh again he was the number one pick coming out 
spent uh, from 2005 to 2012, was the quarterback for the Niners. Got hurt, got replaced by Colin Kaepernick. It wasn't until he went to Kansas City where I think he got with a guy who trusted him for the most part. Um, got surrounded with some weapons, and we saw there was one that one season prior to Patrick Mahomes coming in. So not the year that they drafted Pat Mahomes. Right, the year before. On. The year before. I remember they went like five or six and zero start the year, and at that infamous Patriots game week one, he was just torched them. People just say, "What happened?" I remember uh, Tyreek Hill just roasted uh, Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, in in 2017, he had 4,000 yards, yeah. 26 touchdowns, to five interceptions. Always was a guy who didn't really turn the ball over much. Uh, even those years with San Francisco, five interceptions, five interceptions, seven, 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 eight, five. Uh, the one season with the Redskins, five. When I think of Alex Smith, I do think game management, um, game, game management, game manager. Mm-hmm. But he was a guy who rarely missed starts, uh, especially once he got to Kansas City. And he was a guy that got them some bye weeks. I think that's impressive, too, getting your team a bye week. I know they shit the bed after the fact. But had one season of four thousand yards. If you're looking at a guy that could win, and a and a winner from like a win loss column, the second half of his career mm-hmm. is very impressive. All right, because that San Fran team was rebuilding when he came in. If you look from from two thousand, <clears throat> excuse me, from two thousand eleven when John Harbaugh got there, he played all sixteen games, mm-hmm. had a the the big run against the Saints. Right, that was arguably, I think, is the best moment of his career when he hit Vern Davis on the seam for that yeah. touchdown. That was the Bounty Gate season too. You know, I also think that, you know, what as a Giants fan, the Niners had every chance to win that game, and the Giants were giving them every single chance to win that game. So, what happens if they win that game? What happens if Alex Smith in that first year with with Harbaugh goes to the Super Bowl? Right, he's Kyle not beating Williams? Belichick. That no, that that's fair. That's yeah, fair to assume. I can't that. imagine that. That's fair to assume that, yeah. but. From 2011 to 2017, his last year with the Chiefs, only four other quarterbacks won more games than him. And that's, you know, that's from 11 to to 17. That's a good seven seasons. I think he was very fortunate. He was in some very good surroundings. You're talking about San Francisco, Kansas City. These are franchises that build up their rosters. You know, great coaching with Andy Reid and Harbaugh. I thought Alex Smith was pretty fortunate to be where he was in. Great, like, smart player, underrated athlete, should be mentioned. Guy knew how to escape pressure. He just never did anything that really wowed me. That's why I never really considered Alex Smith to me. He's just a good person that, you know, keep things balanced. But you look at the playoffs, you know, losses the like that Pittsburgh game, I thought they kind of let that game out of their hands. They should have beat a pretty vulnerable Pittsburgh team. The infamous Colts one mm-hmm. where the blue, like there's just times where Alex Smith, now everyone could say, okay, they were up you know, 35 points, but still it's like second half, you didn't do much. It's just there's certain instances where I want Alex Smith to deliver. You know, probably a couple of Patriot playoff games in there. It but is it, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this stat line right now because I had a feeling this game will be mentioned, the AFC wildcard game. Through four touchdowns, completing 30 of 46, 378 yards, no interceptions. Mm-hmm. Right? Put a hell of a game. But they could say the same thing when you want to talk about comebacks. It's just, you know, look at like Matt Ryan, the Super Bowl, for instance, had, I think, like a QB rate at 122. Pretty much played a perfect game, but it's just that you know, those late drives, they didn't really deliver when they all they really needed was one more even field goal to you know, pull through. So. I'm not going to put that toll solely on Alex because, as you know, Andy Reid and clock management never goes hand in hand. But I just, he never did anything like a wild man. That's why I never really gained much consideration. All right. Yeah. Who do you have on number 20? Uh, I have a Chiefs quarterback and one I think that's a lot better, Trent Green. Okay. Two time Pro Bowler. I thought from about 2003, 2006, 
had pretty solid numbers. And I just like the fact also with Trent Green, you want to talk about getting a team. He was actually unfortunate that they would play some of those really good Colts teams. This is after Peyton would flop in the playoffs. Like Peyton, he twice got eliminated by the, uh, the Indianapolis teams with Peyton. But I just think Trent Green from about, I would say, 2002 to 2005 had like a real steady balance of being one of the better quarterbacks. He made two Pro Bowls. And, you know, it was a couple of years where him, Dick Vermeil, then you had, it was the, it's crazy. They went from like Priest Holmes to Larry Johnson. Like those Kansas City teams were pretty cool. Even though they never had the greatest receivers, Eddie Kennison, John Warren just obviously got gone. Yeah, they but. tried to make Dante Hall a wide receiver too, oh, and that he never was worked so out. So electrified. Oh, man. dude, he's one of my favorite. I think it's him and Devin Hester. But even so, I think Dante I Hester Hall, was better as a receiver. Yeah. N- no, what I'm saying as yeah. far as a returner, yeah. I feel as if Dante Hall was the more exciting returner. As more far electrifying, as yeah. He would, he would catch a punt at like the 18, run it all the way back to the two, then loop all the way. He'd be the ultimate no, 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 no. Yes, yes, right. yes, yes. Where he, Devin Hester was a lot like one cut and go. Like if you watch that Super Bowl against the, the Colts, mm-hmm. when he houses that, he's running up the left sideline, plants, cuts it all the way back, and that's it. Where Dante Hall really was a human joystick. He caused so much fear. Like oh, when you yeah. watch him when the ball in his head's like crazy. Dude, if you think yeah. about it, that era of football, that's when the returner really became a thing. I know. You had mid two thousands. Right. You had Dante Hall. You had Josh Cribbs. Wow. You had Devin right. Hester coming. Yeah. Even the Giants had Dominic Kickson for a yeah. while. Right. He was a good Falcons returner. Falcons had Alan Rossum. He was solid. Yeah, yeah. dude. So the, yeah, it's you, it's special teams become so devalued now. Even but. even the, the Jets had uh, uh Justin Miller. Was okay, a returner wow. for them. Yeah, I remember him. All pro. Yeah. So you you hit that stretch where I think you know a guy like Dante Hall. Shout out to Dante Hall, man. We're showing yeah. him some more. <laughs> but, but, but think about it, like the Dante Hall, Josh Cribbs, Devin Hester's of the world. The way yeah. they impacted games, the way teams were afraid to kick off the number. They're legit them. specialists. Yeah. yeah, that also influenced like future generations. Where now that's a big part. I know the rules have kind of dumbed it down a yeah. little bit. And you can't hit people as much, but. Man, they really impacted the game where I feel as if a lot of people don't really discuss that, mm-hmm. the impact that they had. Sure. But, dude, I'm looking at some of the numbers for Trent Green. He, he was not on my list, but he was definitely in the honorable mention. Had three straight 4,000-yard seasons in 2004, 4,591 yards. And this is at a time, Alan, where it wasn't really – 4,000 yards was – Huge achievement. Yeah, yeah, it was like three, four guys yeah. doing that every year. Not now, it's like 13, 14 right. guys that do it. Exactly. So I thought he put state numbers – uh, it was crazy that Rodney Harrison was the reason why he didn't play really for the Rams. That's what started Kurt Warner's, you know, research, uh, just you know, general surge, because they were playing a preseason game and Harrison just took him out. Nineteen ninety nine preseason. That's when you know eventually Trent Green had to go to Kansas City. Uh, it's crazy that he's been severely injured. Then Robert Gathers has six severely custom. He actually played eighty consecutive games. So before the injuries start piling up with Trent Green, he was pretty durable. So I just always felt he was one of the more reliable quarterbacks. Never was too flashy, but he made enough big time throws. I always enjoyed the rapport with him and Tony Gonzalez. And just you know, I thought Arrowhead at a time was one. Mm-hmm. Arrowhead in general is a too many pace to play. But when Kansas City was booming those years with Holmes and Larry Johnson and Willie Rolfe was left tackle. Love me some Willie Rolfe. Yeah, they did a thing. So not a flashy choice, but I think efficiency wise, I'm giving the Trent Green twenty. Okay. Who you have on nineteen? Oh, you wanna go? No, you could go. Steve McNair. Wow. One of my first of three childhood favorite quarterbacks. Love me some Steve McNair. Dude. Yeah. One time MVP, I'll be a co with uh Peyton that year. Three time Pro Bowl was a f- one time two uh second team all pro. Only you know it's crazy, like the 
if you look at his stats, not really remarkable, but let's take into consideration he was kind of in a run first offense with A. George. Not to mention, let's got to take into account the Jeff Fisher factor. Mm-hmm. I don't know, before, all right, people say Jeff Fisher wasn't watched up, but still, it's Jeff Fisher. Like There's limitations to this, but I think Steve McNair was one of the most fearless quarterbacks to play the game. This guy took beatings at time, but he would put his body on that line. He's someone that had really good mobility, even though he was pretty tall, but I just love the fact that that team really got behind him. Like, he kind of built the city. You want to talk about a true franchise quarterback? That team lived and died with Steve McNair. And I just always kind of took that into appreciation, especially some of the things they did. Like, in 2002, I remember the Steelers playoff game, threw for 338, two TDs in a divisional round win. Like, the Tennessee, even though there were times they slipped, when they made the playoffs, they are a legitimate threat. Like, obviously, they made the Super Bowl before 2000. So, I do want to take that count a little bit because we're trying to stick with 2000 afterwards. But he definitely had some good moments. Like uh, I was looking, doing some research, and it was crazy that he actually in when he was at the Ravens. Because let's not forget, he was in the Ravens. I was going to bring up the Ravens yeah. run. They, he got him as high as a two seat. Excuse he, me, in two thousand six, he had comeback wins against them against ironically Tennessee and then Kansas City. And check this out: he it was the first time in a decade or in over a decade where a team won in December at Arrowhead. And he did that with them. And people thought he was kind of broken down because this guy, I think when it comes to just taking too much punishment, this guy's had back injuries, sternum injuries. It's just he took so much of a beam. But uh, I always enjoy watching him play. And another cool stat, youngest player at the time to have 20,000 passing yards and 3,000 rushing yards. So he's someone that was a real multidimensional threat at a time when, you know, teams were running option or say, you know, Wildcat. This is a guy that, you know, had to scramble. He was a traditional drop back passer. So yeah, salute to Steve McNair. Never put up the most you know, remarkable numbers, but someone that normally got the job done. I thought he was one of the more successful QBs from that era. You know, he was a part of a game that I always use as a uh, a case study for how numbers could be very misleading. And especially when it comes to quarterbacks win loss records. You know, he played in a game where the Colts beat them 15-6 to six in M&T Bank. Mm-hmm. That was one of Peyton Manning's worth, worst playoff games ever. He, threw, he had five turnovers in that game, <laughs> and they ended up winning it. And then there's other playoff games. Peyton. Where, well, yeah, but that goes to show you how that resulted in Peyton Manning's win column, despite playing poorly. But then you look on the flip side, Adam Vinatieri had five field goals in that game. You look on the flip side, there's been Peyton Manning games where he has 400 yards, three touchdowns, or interceptions, and they lose. Yeah. So it goes to show you how he was a part of a game. Uh, I, I made note of this, even though I didn't have Steve McNair on my list, because I do think that... Well, I'm generally surprised. That's one I'm generally surprised about. Yeah. You know, with McNair, I I was going to put him on, and then I remembered that the his best season was the 99 season when yeah. they went to the Super Bowl. Well, 2003, co-MVP... That's still a damn impressive achievement. Yeah. 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 Twenty four touchdowns and seven yeah. interceptions that year. You're right. He did he did play with Jeff Fisher, which is something where at the time we didn't really know it was that bad <laughs> until later on. And also it was the, the one year with the Ravens. Yeah. 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 That's true. I, I think he, he's definitely an iconic quarterback of this generation, yeah. like the two thousands. Because yeah. obviously growing up with your experience playing QBD, was he someone that you like kind of not not studied, but someone that you kind of enjoy, just like try to take his style a little bit into what you He did. was a very different quarterback because he was a guy who was, he was mobile, but not in the sense of Mike Vick mobile. No, definitely Like not. he was not a burner, no, I was supposed but to. he was a guy who could make plays with his legs. Right. Uh, for me, he's one of the first guys that I remember making plays with his legs mm-hmm. as far as picking up the third and eight yeah. on, his, on, on his feet and throwing on the run. Because people, they kind of transitioned from Randall Cunningham to him because Randall Cunningham was like the last QB. I know, of course, with McNabb as well, but. Yeah, Steve McNair definitely had a poem there. Very, very solid guy. 
Like he, you know, he made the playoffs five times. Um, very, very solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, you're gonna like this one. Number nineteen, Michael Vick. Okay. Now, um, do you think I have him too low? Slightly. All right. But I think in, this is the kind of range I think Vic belongs. So, as far as impact on the game, he's probably top three. Oh, yeah. What he did for football is easily top three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I might be selling him short. What he did, he's also become so relevant nowadays, too, where Michael Vick has kind of had a resurgence, especially in media. Like I know he covers... Worst Fox. Yeah, but yeah. also, how many times have you heard Mike's Vick Mike Vick's name over the last couple of years with Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, these running quarterbacks. Interviewed Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Right, right. Wow, Deshaun Watson, one of my favorites. How he's he really became the first guy who you could put your best athlete at quarterback, but he could beat you through the air also. You know, he he wasn't lighting it up entirely through the air, but you know, he didn't he didn't have Julio Jones and Roddy White. The way Matt Ryan, yeah, Algie Crumpler, yeah, <laughs> and, and like uh, Brian Finnerney, Finnerney, right? yeah, Finnerney. Yeah. So Mike Vick, eleven and four in uh, two thousand four. Remember that was the year uh, he came back That's on the broken what, leg, the broken from leg, 03, yeah, um, in 03 on the Madden. Uh, got signed. Was he one of the? He was one of the first people to sign a hundred million dollar contract, right? Um, I, I want to rule out his two thousand two was really impressive. That's when he was the first the Falcons were the first team ever to win in Lambo in the playoffs. Was that 02? 02, Vic Abdul Brett Favre. I'm sure you would know this more than yeah. me, so I'll <laughs> defer to you on that one. But yeah, that, that's true. That was the first time that the Green Bay Packers ever lost at home in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, people forget about the 2002 season, but because I think they only went like 9, 6, and 1. I remember they tied the Steelers in like 34, 34 wild game. But let's not forget that Vikings run, which you see everywhere. That was the season. Oh, yeah, when yeah. those two guys... Corey Chavis and someone else. I forgot what linebacker. As a, as a proud Vikings fan, I should know this, but I forget. So, 133 touchdown passes, 88 interceptions, 22,000 yards, 6,109 yards on the ground. That was the um, that season that you mentioned. Probably the though not the win loss. You know, win loss. He was 11 and four with the Atlanta Falcons that year. Um, never really did it through the air much, right? Like. They went 11-4, and four, but yeah. they had 14 touchdowns to 12 interceptions were his numbers. Now, he gets suspended for the dog stuff. Mm-hmm. You can't write the history books without that. Because, you know, 07, 08, you're talking about peak years. It's 27 and 28 years right. old that he misses out. He was a backup in 09. What was the vibe in Atlanta? Do you remember? Oh, they, he was an icon there. So th- it was just all really devastating. People just had... A tough time coming to Terrence because they thought he was going to come back eventually. They were like, "Oh, he'll do his time," and you know they can't totally turn his back on. But the thing is, he was like he owed money because he signed that big deal. Like the Falcons were like suing; they wanted like these like twenty million back of the deal. So it was just hard to come to terms with that. And plus, you had the Bobby Petrino factor, who was an absolute nightmare to this day. You utter Bobby Petrino's words, Atlanta people will give you the dirtiest look. He is probably the most hated man in Atlanta just for what he did to franchise the way he. Pretty much, there was a Monday night game in New Orleans, like week 13. They lose. Next day, he just leaves a note on everyone's locker. doesn't even say goodbye. He just says, I'm quitting. He, that night, he's in Arkansas doing the pig suey on air. You guys like D'Angelo Hall, Keith Brooking, like, how can you do this? Like, you didn't even talk to us. Like, you just treat us like college kids. So, 
that whole scenario, that was just a nightmare. But then people thought, oh, they're going to take Glenn Dorsey, not Matt Ryan, and Vic will be back. And once they took Matt Ryan, I think people said, kind of turns, wow, there is over. So His second run, I think, is very interesting, too. And I think that's where he got to show more of his passing abilities. Yeah, I think 2010 was probably his best year as a quarterback, I would say. I think it was more impressive than anything he did in Atlanta. Yeah, and dude, and, and just think about taking two years off coming back three years off really if you think about it because he was a backup in 09 he was a backup yeah and also what about the fact that he replaced an icon in philadelphia right and someone they invest a lot of time it was kevin cobb Mm -hmm. so he was kind of he was just a guy they want to give opportunity to cobb got hurt in the first or second game i believe so and then that's when mike vick came in i just watched the 30 for 30 on the the dog stuff when and michael vick uh the life of vick i think it's called Mm -hmm. But 2010 wins comeback player of the year, 8-3 and three record, got the Eagles into the playoffs, 14 comebacks, 15 game-winning drives, six playoff games he played in. He ran to Rodgers. That Rodgers 2011 run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that ran was into so, Rodgers. Ran to Rodgers. Matt Ryan could say the same thing about that. And then Jay Cutler on the treadmill, or not treadmill, the bike. In the yeah, play. that's right. Who was the quarterback? <laughs> the back of a Chicago? I have no idea. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not. Um, it was a, it was a legend, yeah. though. Brom? No, not Jay Cutler. But... You know, I think it's very impressive that he comes back, he signs with the Eagles, he ends up taking the job, and then he signs another $100 million deal, too. Remember, yeah. the Eagles broke the bank to keep right. him also. I think Michael Vick has to be on your list. If you're looking at what he meant to the future generations mm-hmm. and impact on the game, he's probably top three, yeah. top five easily. But on this list, too, it would have been fun to see him with some weapons, some real wide receivers. No offense. To we anyone. saw that in Philly, though. Deshaun, uh, Jeremy Macklin. Yeah. He had some weapons. Well, that's why you also yeah. saw his passing improve. Right. So yeah. Michael Vick, for me, is number 19 on my list. And the the last thing I want to mention on Mike Vick, think about the uh, the merchandise and the, and just the... That commercial does it for Michael yeah, Vick experience. The aura of him, too. Yeah. I think it was... His impact was, I mean, it's going to live on forever. Oh, he was Which there's not a lot of quarterbacks on this list that you can make that case for. No. As far as their impact on the game and and changing the way the position was played, mm-hmm. not many guys that you could say that about yeah. on this list. Especially just his highlight reel alone. Oh, That's yeah. most absurd highlight reel. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's crazy what he was doing to people. Yeah. Who's your, uh, what do you got? One of my favorites, number 18, Dante Culpepper. <laughs> <laughs> one of my true favorites. Love me some Dante Culpepper. One of the most bizarre careers. Someone you want to talk about high variance? This is high variance to the max of three time pro war, one time first team all pro. Also made a second team all pro. Really only had three good years, but those years were so great. To me, he has to make this list. Coming in in 2000, I know everyone likes to make fun of okay, the Giants game. Of course, it fell apart there, but. 40 touchdowns this, that year, 33 passing, 7 rushing. Uh, eventually, things on uh, Minnesota kind of declined a bit. He was one of the first players I realized the man curse is real. I remember mm. 2002 was on man curse, kind of went down. But uh, 2004, eventually he came back, like had a much better season, broke Dan Marino's record for most total yards at the time, QB, through as a QB over uh, 5,100. Uh, threw five touchdowns in three games that year. So you look at 2000 and 2004, those years alone were great. Yeah, you could put those years up with anyone. Yeah. And 2003, he had a great run as well. Just I don't know. He was just always very high variance because I remember 2 okay, led the league in interceptions. So it, it's a weird resume with Cole Pepper. But I just think it was peak years. 
it's just he was one of the best to do it. And I think, you know, he had a strong case to win MVP at one point, especially in 04, because he carried that Vikings team. Because those Viking teams did not play defense. You want to bring up, because one of the things you have to bring up with Culpepper is that 2004 game in Lambeau. They, cause, so Vic was the first QB to win in Lambeau, and then Culpepper did two years later. He threw four touchdowns. One of them, of course, the Randy Moss, the Moon, Joe mm-hmm. Buck. That's a despicable display by Randy Moss. But, uh, yeah, he's one of my true favorites. I think even though, okay, kind of crashed that Minnesota, the Miami run was a complete disaster. Well, think about, you want to talk about football what-ifs, sports what-ifs. Mm-hmm. What if he didn't sign with the Dolphins and Drew Brees did? That's one of the biggest what-ifs ever. Think about the impact that has on football from the NFC South, where your team, I'm sure, would have mm-hmm. reaped a lot of those benefits. Yeah. not Drew Brees and right. Sean Payton being there. Think about what happens to the AFC East. Is Brady and Belichick their run as successful as it is? If you have another Hall of Fame quarterback. I've just seen that matchup twice a season every year. And then you can make the counter where does Nick Saban end up staying? Yeah. Because I totally forgot. Nick Saban and Culpepper were together. And Saban like, benched him, they said, because of his knee. But everyone said, no. He said Culpepper's ego was just crazy. He just had enough of him. At one point, Miami fans were booing and wanted Joey Harrington in the game. That's how bad Culpepper got at one point, which just broke my heart. Joe, Joey <laughs> Har- fun fact, Joey Harrington jersey on the lines, the number three, was in the old VM studio yeah. as a legendary jersey. But also think about the impact that that has on college football. Let's say Breeze and Saban go to Miami. They have a run. They're there for a decade plus, like how Sean Payton was. Uh-huh. What happens to Bama? Are they a juggernaut like they are? What happens to those? Dude, it's it's such a crazy what if. I like doing the what ifs. Mm-hmm. A lot in the NBA, like I always talk about Clay Thompson's game six against the Thunder. Yeah, Got hit like 11 threes. Literally ended the Thunder dynasty. <laughs> what happens with... So, look, Culpepper is not on my list. Man. He is, a, he is a guy who... Like, look, I understand that the two seasons that he had... You could literally put that up against yeah. any Hall of Fame resume. But I am faulting a lot of the uh, him going to Miami and how that altered history. And then, you know, he bounced around in Oakland. He went to Detroit, ended his... Those are forgettable years. Yeah, very forgettable. Well, let's, so, let's take out the, the 2005 tour, is ACL, MCL, PCL. I think it was clearly proven that he was just never the same. But 2005, then the, who could forget the love boat? Mm-hmm. He got into trouble with that. Um, I'll never forget. Also, he, to start the 05 season, he threw like six picks and no touchdowns. And Minnesota was trying to get Troy Williamson. Because remember, Moss got out. Mm-hmm. So Culpepper was still there. They were envisioning Troy Williamson to re- uh, replace Randy Moss, which you know, that did not go to plan, let's just say. So, yeah, there were some issues with Culpepper. And the fact that he was actually had an under 500 record with the Vikings. So this is a bit of a controversial pick. But I just think when Culpepper at his best those seasons, I think it's good enough to put on this list. So... Yeah, I'm going to roll with him. But I was looking at some of the things, especially Miami. Uh, at one point, he wanted to, like, he confronted Steve Young because Steve Young, like, accused him of his work ethic being poor and missing means. Like, it was a Christmas game on Monday Night Football. It's literally, after a game, Culper went up to Steve Young and was like, yo, you've told shit about me? Like, could you imagine that you go up to, a, like, a Hall of Famer like that? So, yeah, his run was not after Minnesota was bad. But I'm going to roll my man here. Dante Culpepper, the one and only. Number 18 for me. You ready to get, you ready to snap? Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco needs to be on your list. Is he not on your list? Absolutely not. He's not on your list. No. Okay. I think that's a mistake. I do. Because when you think of Joe Flacco, 
What I think of Joe Flacco. Another game manager. I think playoffs. 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012 wins the Super Bowl. It's playoffs every year. And a tough division, too. Remember, the Bengals were a lot better than they are now. The Steelers were a lot better than they are now. Or the Steelers are okay. But playing in a conference where if you look at the conference quarterbacks from 2001, in the 2000s, you look at the AFC quarterbacks. It's really three names that you're going to constantly see. It's Ben, it's Peyton, it's Brady. Yeah. And then Joe Flacco was in there. And this was a guy who, man, you want to talk about no emotion. You want to talk about a guy who could go into any building and can win. I think he's Joe Flacco. <sighs> okay. Super Bowl MVP. The 2012 run that he had, 11, 000, uh, 1,100 yards. 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, 4 for 4, played 4 games. Remember, they were a wild card team that year. Look, he never did it for me as far as a passer. I, I did make fun of him a lot of times on VM where he played the pass interference offense, where there was a lot of times he would drop back and throw like a Hail Mary him and Tory Smith were to Torrey Smith yeah. and to like uh, Jacoby, Jacoby Jones yeah. and guys of that nature. And he did have some very good pros around him. Like Steve Smith had a bounce back with him. Anquan Bolden. Derek Mason. Uh, Derek Mason. Uh, Dennis Pitta. You remember Dennis Pitta? I was a yes, big so. Dennis Pitta yeah. fan. And he he was able to... Did he have a great defense behind him? Yeah, absolutely. But I just think 11 wins, 9 wins, 12, 12, 10, 8, 10. His tenure in in Baltimore, he was a winner. And he made, he made the playoffs a lot. 24 game-winning drives. I think... I think he needs to be on the list. Went into went into Foxborough. Hell, they should have won that first year when the Giants beat the Pats in the Super Bowl in Lee 2011. Evans, yeah. Not only Lee Evans, Billy oh, Cundiff missed Cundiff. The, kick, the, the kick also. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that if you ask any Patriot fan, yo, what's the one team that strikes fear in your heart to this day? They would probably say the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC. Yeah, well, they did the following year. Yeah, yeah D- so. dominate him. Right? Terrell Suggs cut the promo. Yeah, <laughs> like called basically called Bill Belichick an asshole. Yeah, he's like in the pretty boy QB and shit mm-hmm. like that. So, man, look, he never three thousand six hundred yards is roughly his average, his, his season average, and never really lit it up. You know, there was one year in 2010, 25 touchdowns, ten interceptions, but a lot of twenty and twelves, a lot of you know, nineteen and twenty two interceptions. He's just mediocre to me. That mediocre Flacco. I thought he Raheem Moore made his career. Raheem Moore doesn't botch that who knows? I don't think we see much from Flacco. He really benefit. Look, I'll admit, he definitely played great in that Super Bowl. And there's moments Flacco has looked great. But there's a reason why Baltimore fans want him out for years. They just got sick of him because he just consistently. Well, he was also he was also a prime example of a guy who you were happy with until you have to pay him $25 million. Right. You were very happy with Joe Flacco when he was on that rookie deal. Mm-hmm. And you were able to get Anquan Boldens and Derek Masons and some of the guys that you mentioned. And the offensive line being so good and the defensive players. But then after that, you're paying a guy. That's Hey, that's a, that's a real issue. Some of these quarterbacks on this list and some quarterbacks have in general. Mm-hmm. And I just thought he always made a lot of mistakes. He gets very panky in the pocket. Just... I never saw him someone as elevating players. He's not someone like a Steve McNair or Cole Hipper, guys that put together elite seasons. Okay, maybe they didn't have quite the consistency, but also these were players that weren't in the greatest surroundings. Like I thought, you don't talk about one of the best franchises to play for. I think top five Ravens had to be on that list. Like so, Yeah, I, from top to bottom and, yeah. and the fan base as well, the home field advantage being superior. I, yeah, I would agree with you on and that. I just thought he kind of crashed that Baltimore. People wanted him going for a long time and – 
Yeah, just someone I never considered and probably never will. You're not, you're not, I'm not buying this one bit. All right. Yeah. That's fair. That's very fair. That's very fair. Your list is your list. Yeah. My list is my list. Uh, go on. What are you going to 17, Mike Vick. Okay. Yeah. I was debating McNair, Culpepper, Vick. It was hard. To like, but I'm like, I think Vick had the most impressive body of work. So I ended up going with Vick here. Especially that 2002 season was so exciting. Like, I remember watching that back because that team, they were just moving on finally from Chris Chandler after years because they were in the Super Bowl and then they didn't know really where they're going. But I was like, okay. Because in 2001, they were like rotating Chandler and Vic. That, like, so he actually, his rookie year, he played like eight games but only started like two of them. It was weird. But then eventually he came out the scene. And 2004, one of the craziest things, this was against Denver on Halloween. First quarterback ever to throw for 250 yards and run for over 100. Like that 2004 season, you know, they ended up beating the Rams in the playoffs. Then I lost the Eagles in the NFC Championship. But you know, that was when Vic Dunn Duckett was created, DVD. And it, it, you wish it, he did more with it because eventually 2005, 2006, they really underachieved. Which, you know, Jim Moore Jr. proved not to be a very good coach. And Vic's work ethic was in question. So and then obviously the whole dog fight scenario. But I thought his comeback with the Eagles was crazy. You know what? I totally forgot. Remember that playoff game? This was McNabb's last playoff game in Philly against the Cowboys. This was, I think, Jason Garrett's first playoff win. Vic threw like the only touchdown when the game was competitive. He threw like a bomb to Jeremy Macklin. They put him on one play. Just throws a bomb to Jeremy Macklin, 76 yards. And that was like the only meaningful touchdown game. Dallas just smacked up Philly McNabb. Went to Washington. You see, so that was the year that they played each other week 17, and then they played each other in the first round of the playoffs, too. Wow. Okay. Uh, Interesting. MC's knowledge right there. But you know, it's one thing we can talk about Vic before and that Monday night game against Washington. Okay. So listen, yeah. I'm going to cut you off because I had that in my notes, uh, and I had a feeling that we were going to get to Mike Vic. Obviously, okay, we're going to have you. him on your list. Man, you want to talk about coming out the gates, guns blazing, dude. I remember, yo, quick story. I'm up in Buffalo at the time. Snow came down. And this is like, what, mid-November? Right, yeah. Right, week 10, you said? Yeah. It was week 10? Monday night. There's snow down. And, FedEx Field. Uh, I had no morning class Tuesday morning. I didn't have class till like 12.30, so it was dope. I was like, yo, nice. I can uh, always stay up to watch Monday Night Football, come back or watching the game. And, man, if you can put together the ultimate fantasy highlight reel of one game for a quarterback... That would be that. Four touchdowns through the air, two on the ground, I think it was. No, six total touchdowns. Yeah, yeah well, four, four passing, two rushing. Yeah, that's what I mean. Four through yeah. the air, and then there was two yeah. on the ground. That bomb to Sean Jackson, 88. First play. And remember, that was that was McNabb versus Vic, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Boy, McNabb got served that one. But yeah, that was like one of those. Because Vic had these games where it was in Atlanta or Philly, you just watch, and it's like, this guy cannot be stopped. Like, He's gonna put up whatever he's gonna do whatever he wants. He's gonna put up absurd numbers. You just better get used to it. Pro Football Hall of Fame asked for his game to be displayed after he became the first player in NFL history to this day to pass for three touchdowns and rush for two mm-hmm. in the first half of a game. It was like forty-four nothing at one point. Dude. It was. I think they scored on every single possession, like a touchdown. It was just something ridiculous. <laughs> it's unfortunate they couldn't do it because you. Oh my oh. god! Oh, go on, go on. <laughs> Yo, you're, you're going nuts right now. He was a part of the collapse. I was going to mention that next. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> 21 nothing. Deshaun Jackson eventually gets it. But but I'm shocked, though, they didn't do more with it because eventually the dream team came about. That totally flopped. He scored three touchdowns in like th- th- three minutes and 12 yeah, seconds. That was the time. Call. That was like the, one of the first times. Man, Tom I remember Coughlin's being at like, Josh's crib. Josh, our buddy Josh. Yeah. Shout out to Josh. He's a big Redskins fan. I remember being at his house. 
And I said to him, yo, I'm going to dip out because at the time I was living at my grandma's crib mm -hmm. because before we bought the house that we're in right now, mm -hmm. they had to do some modeling and construction yeah. and the closing and all that shit. I leave Josh's crib. I'm like, yo, I'm going to dip out now. The Giants got this game in the bag. Let me get home before traffic hits. Yeah. I get home. I see the Mike Vick has the ball going in for the last touchdown to, to, to tie it. Yeah. I'm watching. I'm like, yo, what the hell is going to happen here? And then, of course, the punt, Matt Dodge, bedtime. <laughs> Sleepy sleep. So, yeah, that was one of the great moments. Is there were times in games just Vic, I think only had like 15 game-winning drives altogether, but it's just something. Didn't it feel like it was more? Yeah, but he was on some really good teams. That's the thing. Like yeah. the Atlanta team made some NFC championship in 04. Then the Eagles team was really good in 2010. And just, he had just had a weird career. Like I totally forgot he played for the Jets. I know, I remember him playing for the Steelers. He had a couple of spy dudes, but like, he was on like a Rex Ryan Jets team. Like, that must have been the worst thing to watch. Like just see Michael Vick in New York. So kind of like kind of like Culpepper in a way. Just a weird ending to his career. A guy that you remember only playing for well in Vic's case, two teams, Culpepper one. But overall, I think Vic had a really historical career. Someone like you said, it's an icon. It's just that you know, it's just sad that his prime got taken away just because of his own, you know, downfall. And just, you know, I know he lied to a lot of people. Like Arthur, he lied straight to Arthur Blank's face. That's why he really couldn't come back. You break that trust, even though, you know, he's on great terms with Landon now. And, you know, I think what if, so it would have been interesting to see, because Roddy White came into his own in 2007, what that would have been like. Who knows what would happen to Matt Ryan, you know, as well. So that's a couple of what ifs. And, but overall, Vic still, you got to salute to what, for what he did to the game and just someone that kind of made the impossible look possible. Like he really, like, you were not talking about a jaw dropping player. Every Sunday, especially when growing up, like like those early Atlanta years, because we even mentioned the whole Madden factor. Like he is so legendary. Like the Michael Vick 2004 Madden is like the greatest video game character ever. Oh yeah, dude. My buddy Dominic used to play with the Falcons, and you guys had work done, and he would run three plays. It was uh, HB dive, it was play action streaks or curl flats. That's all he would run. Every and you just. You couldn't stop it because you would run. Also, he was one of the main reasons why they started doing the QB vision right. in, in Madden years to come yeah, because his shit was kind of small. Mm -hmm. But it was like, all right, are you going to be willing to not be that great passing the ball in the video game? But you would just dominate everyone yeah. with running. Just someone. My number 17, Carson Palmer. Ah, okay. Is he on your list? Yeah, absolutely. How can Carson Palmer... Very underrated career. Someone super underappreciated. Yes. That's exactly what I put in my notes for him. Oh, big Carson Palmer guy. Think about what happens if he doesn't get hurt that year. Against Pittsburgh. Against Pittsburgh. Kimo Van Offlin. Yeah. Bl blows out his knee. He was playing at an MVP level that year. Changed the rule when you think about what about hitting quarterbacks low. That kind of made the NFL fishing crew like take note of that i think that's when we really saw more penalties with the rule like in terms of like leaning uh below the ankle or uh, below i think the knee i think it was yeah mm -hmm. below ankle makes absolutely no sense <laughs> below the knee like if you get hit in that area and they put weight on you're gonna get cold now 15 yards i think Carson palmer after seeing that injury they had to you know address it you know he won the heisman i know we're not talking much about college stuff came out from usc uh he i believe he won a national championship but you know, think about he goes to Cincinnati, who at the time were kind of lost in the shuffle. You know, they had like John Kitna was there. And were they just coming out? Because remember, it, they were like 1-15. They were kind of known as like the NFL's version of the Blazers and, you know, guys getting arrested every three weeks. Yeah, a lot of yeah. issues over in, uh, in, in Cincinnati. 
but then you know the 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 first year like you said that he kind of took took off was that year in uh 2005 um he wasn't an all pro but i feel like he should have been 2005 32 touchdowns 12 interceptions 3836 yards you go to that playoff game they're hosting and in that game you know he gets hit low like we mentioned uh Chad Johnson was super outspoken to this day, just saying how I would have had a Super Bowl if it wasn't for that injury. I th- I'm pretty sure he threw a touchdown on that. Yeah. Carson Palmer threw a 66-yard pass. Chris Henry. To Chris Henry. Peace. Longest completion in Bengals playoff history yeah. after the pass was the Leafs. Uh, Von Ulfheimen. Yeah, Steelers had Baron Steelers are one of those defenses always played three four. So I had like these rugged guys like Brett Kiesel, Aaron Smith, Casey Hampton. Like Steelers won the traditional three four teams. And obviously you had guys like Joey Porter as well off the edge. That year the Steelers went on to win thirty one seventeen and win the Super Bowl. Yeah, they beat the Seahawks. Oh wow, look at this. During the offseason that year, the league's rules committee modified the rules regarding low hits on QBs. Yeah. The so called Carson Palmer rule. Wow, you're right. Yeah. So impact on the game, he had a big impact on it. And then think about this: the 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 second run that he had, really, like he goes to Oakland, kind of lost in the shuffle, just kind of just very him and Hugh Jackson, because Hugh Jackson came from since I rock Hugh Jackson of all people helped him get out because he threatened to retire at one point. He was, it was so over since it was it was the black hole, like for real, like people's mm-hmm. careers went there and nothing came of it. And then he goes to Arizona. They traded a first round pick for him, one of the worst trades in NFL history. Yeah, he goes to Arizona, and it wasn't until 2015 where he really had another. Like he was an MVP candidate then too. If Cam Newton didn't do what Cam Newton did that year, he probably would have MVP. It was him, Brady, and Cam just going at it. Like across the Palmer, Bruce Arians together was just a match made in heaven. And you know he made the he made the playoffs in 2015, like we mentioned. Um, he was on his verge in, in 2014. I, he, I know he suffered some uh, season-ending injury at the time. I think maybe it was with his shoulder. He unfortunately, Carson Palmer. There's he had several season-ending injuries. He's just someone that kind of you know it's it's weird. Like one thing we're doing with these quarterbacks, we're talking about like you know a good majority of them. We always talk about injuries, kind of just derailed their career. That's cause that position, a couple hits. You know, we talked about guys like Culpepper, McNair. We talked about Matt Hassel back on the last episode, like the court with Mark Bolger, Carson Wentz. Yeah, you put on there. Just a lot of these quarterbacks, they get just their careers for the most part get derailed because of injuries, whether it's their shoulder or just you know, whoever it may be. So Carson Palmer is a prime example. All these quarterbacks that we talk about their injuries that happened in the early two thousands when it was still acceptable for you to just absolutely torpedo a quarterback, right? Great point. You just lower your outside of, uh, and I know I mentioned Carson Wentz, but he, you know he. I don't want to say he did it to himself, but that was a hit where he kind of closed it, where he ran out the pocket. Right. At that point, it's like all bets are off mm-hmm. if you're a quarterback. You know, I, I know still if you slide, they'll be a yeah. little more lenient towards you, but for the most part, I'm talking about these guys would get hit in the pocket, get lit this up. Guy like Carson Palmer's not leaving the pocket, right? Yeah. They're not. They're not going to Chad Pennington also, yeah. who I had on my list. Bolger as well. So yeah, Carson Palmer, man. I definitely think. Do you, Do you have anything else on Carson Palmer? Uh, I'm gonna get to him eventually. Okay. He's on my list. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Who do you uh you go next? Sixteen. Eli Manning. Okay. I think that's a little crazy. Wow. 16, bro? Yeah. He had a good career. All right. That doesn't make me happy. He's not He's not in my top five spoiler, but I think 16 is It's kind of hard. He crashed. Like his career really went down a downturn. All right. Go ahead. So, hey, this is your list. So with Eli Manning, altogether, 
four-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champion, 37 game-winning drives. That's that's that coin. I was surprised. Overall, I had him with seven years where he played at a high level. I thought peak Manning was probably what 2008 to 2012. You would say around there. You could maybe include 07. But there were just times, especially like that, that that 2013 season, he threw what like 20 interceptions. Like there were just some years I watched it. Oh, 27, excuse me. There were just some times I was just watching. I'm like, what on earth is he doing? But I would say like one thing Eli Manning doesn't get enough credit for is just look NFC championships. I forgot that Green Bay game how good he played because I was like just watching some highlights, seeing the stats. That game was like negative three weather, and he outdueled Favre like he totally outplayed Favre. And then you look at the side of the eleven game, took six sacks against the Niners, and here's another thing: fifty-eight pass attempts, then no turnovers in that game. And one thing that Eli Manning in his career, look, he's been tied to his turnovers. Like there was one point that 2007 Super Bowl year, John Mary even questioned if they could win with him. John Mary's like, is he even good enough? Because he continuously keeps turning over the ball. It just that was one of his issues. But I think Eli was always very gutsy, as we know, very durable. And some of the big plays, you know, Mario Manningham passed, Tyree passed. Victor Cruz in 2011, the 99-yard touchdown. I know Victor Cruz gets a lot of credit, but that was a really good throw by Eli as well. Mm-hmm. So there were some definitely big moments there, you know, between – Maybe you could say, you could, oh, look, he, that 2007 season, they struggled, but they still ended up making the playoffs and then going to 2012. So he, he definitely had a good stretch run there. And I thought even with, what was it, 14 or 15, he actually had a decent year. But ironically, when the Giants actually made a playoffs in 2016 is when I saw like a massive decline. Like I think if his name wasn't Eli Manning, he probably would have gotten benched. That's how bad he was that year. So I I kind of dock him for the last few years. And early in his career, he struggled as well. Like his rookie year wasn't impressive at the early start. But, you know, during the peak, I would say 2007, 2012, Eli was one of the better quarterbacks there. So uh, I'm, I put Eli a little higher than other quarterbacks because of his consistency. But I can't put him more higher because there was never a time I thought Eli Manning was elite. I never saw Eli Manning as an MVP caliber quarterback. He just someone that was relatively steady. You know, I had a good relationship with guys like Plaxico Burst. I thought him and Burst had a really good rapport looking back on it. So that's why Eli Manning, you know, solid damn career, but just someone that never quite took it to another level for me. So I, I don't agree. Okay. Um, I'll agree with you that from about, like, even 07, he wasn't that good. Like, he had 20 interceptions. Mm-hmm. He had three plus seasons that he had over 20 interceptions. Um, that's a lot. Uh, almost was in the thirty thirty club in two thousand ten, which Jameis Winston made popular this year. You know, he he had thirty one touchdown passes, twenty five interceptions. I do think the issue with Eli Manning, and I've said this many many times, it's it, it's a case of two different careers that he had. Early on, he had the great offensive line, great defensive line. Didn't have the weapons around them. Now I understand Plaxico Burris was sensational. Mm-hmm. The chemistry between them two. You want to talk about a dominating performance? I think that NFC title game, Plaxico Burris. On Al Harris, who at the time was like the number one lockdown corner. Al Harris definitely had time, yeah. What Plaxico did to him was utter domination. It's kind of like Randy Moss. Because Randy Moss was like the first guy that used to like destroy Al Harris. Then Plaxico, those big tall vertical receivers. Yeah, man. And Plax was, I mean, shit. What happens if Plax doesn't shoot himself? Because I hear they're eleven and one. They had beat the they beat the Cardinals. They beat the Steelers. They're one seed. I was, dude. I was overly confident. I know my teams haven't won many championships. Mm But I was like, yo, they're gonna go. They're gonna go to the Super Bowl again. Right. They were dope. They had uh, uh, Jacob Smith, Bradshaw, Steve Smith was yeah. balling out. The defensive line was sure they lose Strahan, but it's like you know, it's like a Tuck and Yumiura. Them yeah. two alone were able yeah. to cause. Corey Webster was playing at a really high level. Very underrated. Cor- uh, Corey Webster was super yeah. underrated, man. The issue with Corey Webster is kind of like you like career crashed badly. Like he yeah. became a super liability yeah. to points. Like dude. 
bench this man. Stop it. I I think Eli Manning deserves to be higher up on the list because if you think about the history of the game, you can't write it without Eli Manning as far as like his playoff runs. I know the big knock on him is he's only won playoff games in two seasons. Essentially, yeah. In 07 and, and 11 were the only times that he made the playoffs and they actually won. They He made the playoffs a few times. Well, 09 and 16, but they lost Eagles and the, the well, Packers game. Well, yeah, in, in 08, they lost to the Eagles yeah. at home. 08, excuse me. And yeah. then in 2016, they lost to the Packers. But 2005, 2006, they made the playoffs back-to-back years. Oh, they did? Wow. Yeah, yeah. They made the playoffs four straight years with Eli Manning. Wow, who they lose to? From oh, they they lost to Philly. Okay, I think I don't remember those years at all. Twice, I remember David Akers hit like a monster field goal. Okay, um, and I don't remember who else they lost to, but those teams had uh, in two thousand and seven. And another thing else you want to keep on with Eli, like his completion percentage was always very middling. Like he would be barely over sixty percent or. Under sixty percent. Yeah, he was never a guy that like. You know, These was, things matter, right? I, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. And he was a turnover machine, yeah. and he was frustrating to watch. But you know, one thing that I don't know if you've mentioned it yet: thirty-seven game-winning drives, dude. Yeah, I did. That's one of the first things I said. That that blew me away. That two thousand eleven season, he had like nine comebacks. Also, another. Well, they thing, went nine seven that year. I don't know. What they well, did. it was it was definitely like seven or eight yeah. comebacks that he had. Also, another thing. There's a guy who didn't mind going into hostile territory. Oh, he embraced it. They beat the they beat the Cowboys as a one seed. Remember that was a Jessica Simpson, Tony Romo fiasco. Right. Uh, that's when Jerry Jones had put the two tickets to the NFC title game in every Cowboys player's locker. <laughs> and then going into Lambeau, tough place to play under beat those far. conditions. Then going into San Fran that year, going into Green Bay that year when they were fifteen and one. You know, these are teams they they did beat your Falcons also. It was funny. We were both at that game. We I know, know, but you know. Eli didn't have to do much. He just threw a slant to Akeem Nix, and the defense took that game. So that's, that's another thing where Eli Manning, in the beginning of his career, had the great offensive line, great defensive line, didn't really have the weapons around him. Second half of his career, where you saw some of his numbers to get better, 35 touchdowns, 30 touchdowns. passes. And then McAdoo actually had some decent years. So he McAdoo's did, offense did. coordinator. But then he had... He had Odell Beckham Jr. He had Victor Cruz. He had Hakeem Nix. People forget, yo, Hakeem Nix was a beast, bro. Yeah, I know you... When you get to mention, but that Hail Mary in the divisional round against Green Bay. Oh, yeah. One of the craziest moments. Yeah. Eli Manning was the ultimate no, 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 yes. That Hail Mary, especially do it in Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers, who's the king of Hail Marys. And so. and also, we talked about on all these quarterbacks up until now, you said one thing very, very important, which I think has to be said in the resume of Eli Manning, how all these other quarterbacks, season-ending injuries constantly coming back from injuries Mm -hmm. man one thing you can't knock the guy for is toughness and durability and i think that's a big part of your greatness look lebron james you can say all you want about him that guy's there in the playoffs Mm -hmm. and he's been shorthanded many many times no Kyrie, no kevin love no Kyrie. and with eli manning man you know in 2007 they said he tore his rotator cuff or had like a very very bad injury in his shoulder he played the next game Mm -hmm. You know, there was times where he had a, a a bumped ankle, and he just showed up for work. And I think that stuff that stuff matters. Could be a homer, I get it, but no, he's resilient. It's just I think the knock on Eli always be he was just never that t- top tier. He was never played exceptionally well. There was times of sustained 
tough, very good play. But it's just I never really recall the year where it's like, wow, Eli Manning kind of was like a top three QB. Eli Manning was MVP candidate. Just none that ever really came to my mind. So I rate quarterbacks on like super high level play and just never quite did. But you have to give consistency credit. That's why, look, I know some people that have Eli Manning probably much lower. There are people that think Eli Manning's mediocre at best. People just don't care for his work. But I think people forget about the late 2000s, how well, consistent I, I, he was. Well, I think that's dumb saying you don't care about his work. Well, the, a lot of those people view the Super Bowl wins off that pass rush and a couple of freak plays. They, they, and which is crazy because that Manningham throw is one of the best throws you ever see. Yeah. The ball placement on that was ridiculous. It's just, I didn't look recency bias. You know, come on. That also hey, doesn't help. Look, I, I get it. I get you could get lucky winning one time, but when you win twice, I think that closes the door on things. Yeah. So the first go round, yeah, the defense definitely helped. But the second go round, I think that a lot of it is Eli Manning. Nine touchdowns, one interceptions in the playoff. I think that's I think that's big. And yo, beat beat Belichick twice in the Super Bowl. Yeah, take it. Do I'm it. taking it. That's take it. Sure. Yeah, take it. But so yeah, Eli number sixty four. I knew it was gonna be a bit of a controversial pick, but hey, that's that's my choice. Uh for me, I'm going Matthew Stafford. Ah, okay. Damn, Stafford or Vic? That's one thing I can't get behind. Well, there's a lot of things I can't get behind with your list, but that's... <laughs> I think Matthew Stafford is a guy who... You know, I don't want to spend too much time on him because we you did mention him, right? Yeah, 22. Um, When I think of Matthew Stafford, I think of pretty shitty hand he was dealt. I do think he's a guy who right now he's 32 years old. I would love to see him change the scenery. I still think he has something left in the tank. Probably has one of the best arm talents I've ever seen. Like you're talking about an absolute gun for an arm. There's like two, three times a year he plays like the best quarterback you ever seen. Like he's just on the money. He's just locked in. I'm glad you said that because there's there's times where I watch him and I'm like, man, he's a machine. Like he's the best quarterback I think I've ever seen. But then there's other times where you're like, oh my god, throwing triple coverage. I think the the biggest issue with him and we touched on it with you was a lot of times he had to throw with no run game and he was still putting up big numbers man 2011 41 touchdown passes dude you throw 40 touchdowns that's that's an impressive accomplishment man for a guy who had to throw the ball 663 times no running game to speak of with no running game to speak of you're running play action and no one cares (laughs) even when they had reggie bush it was like okay they never got the best at reggie bush i was so excited seeing reggie bush and calvin johnson the same offense they could have done so much more with that. So, yeah, I know I don't want to spend too much time on Matthew Stafford. There's one thing I want to bring up again. Uh, a lot of coaching turnover. And, you know, both of these guys on my list, Eli Manning and him, 34 game-winning drives. And you want to talk about, unlike Michael Vick, he didn't really play with many leads. And Stafford was a guy who, as a better, I hated having a ticket against them. When he had the ball with a couple minutes left, it's like, damn, man, this guy's gonna backdoor cover me, or he might, you know, just win outright. Crazy comeback. So we talked about the Dallas game. The minute there's a Minnesota game. It's just facing like twenty point deficits. He came, he would come back, and just yeah, that 2011 season was really good. But I thought even times, even from like I forget what it was, like most recently, I think even like 2016, where they actually made the playoffs, like Stafford. With deliver is just he never had an exceptional defense, never a running game. That was like those are two key foundations for a lot of teams, and he just never, never once had it. Think about when does the Lions have a top ten defense? Never running game. We already spoke about that. It's just okay. He played with arguably one of the greatest to ever do it, Calvin Johnson. But 
That's really about it. He has some exciting deep threats, some good possession receivers. Now it's like some Marvin Jones, Golden Tate. So he definitely did a lot more. It just there's times with Stafford, I thought decision making was just not there. It's like, what do you think? You don't cut him some slack for being a Detroit Lion? Well, I, or the do first think- few years, but eventually when you're playing your sixth, seventh year, you got to evolve. He never really did. He just kept making the same mistakes. At some point, just like you need to kind of cut it out. That's why it's like, okay, I can understand the first few years you have all this pressure on you. And maybe it was like boiling, but it's just at some point I see him still throwing the triple coverage or throwing his receiver. It's just, and then some of the playoff games I thought he kind of well. They got screwed against Dallas infamously, but even there was times against like Seattle. I remember in a playoff game in 2016, that Seattle team was pretty average and they just didn't do much. So I just think at times you, if a guy, if he's truly lead, he could just you know obviously deliver and he never quite did that but he still had a really steady career and i do agree i do think a change of scenery maybe going to play for the chargers or somewhere would be good for him all right that's our list alex smith 20 michael vick 19 joe flackle 18 carson palmer 17 matthew stafford 16 for me you want to just recap yours 20 trent green 19 steve mcnair 18 dante culpepper 17 michael vick 16 eli manning Alan, where can they find you if they want to contact you? Alan underscore Sturk. That's A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. At The Lamb Show, as you can find me. If you guys want to hear 15 through 11, that's already up on the Patreon, as all of these have been up. And you'll be able to get some of the other extra content on there. That is patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. And make sure you sign up on the Patreon in the um, veterans minimum tier or higher to get a chance to be in our NC2A bracket. And last but not least, I want to give a shout out to the members of the Supermax and the members of the franchise tag in the Patreon. And those names are my guy, Nick Chavez, my guy, Piz, Bills Mafia in the building. Not in the building, but you get my Tokyo Drift. Christopher Velasquez, Bo Clore, Corey Johnson Hoops, Derek Pleates, and Daniel Gibson. And I also want to give a shout out while we're here, brother, brother. Um, a new, new, a new, first time ever member of the Patreon. And his name is, it was just in front of me. I'm an idiot. Marcos Robledo. Shout out to him. Thank you. I appreciate your donation. And most importantly, congrats. We'll catch you guys next time on the show. For the one standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com/safety or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.